0: podcast with me Charlene Yared West, founder of Relaxing to Birth Online Hypnobirthing and the amazing virtual midwife Karen Wilmot. We came together to bring you Relaxing to Birth Plus and our comprehensive online antenatal course focuses on labour, birth and beyond and features extensive hypnobirthing techniques and a deep understanding of the physiology of birth and methods to avoid unnecessary medical interventions. We always have so much to share, and so this podcast was born, and here we are. We're sharing birth stories, birthing a world updates, interview with birth workers from near and far, and also we take the time to answer your burning questions around pregnancy, birth, and motherhood.
1: Hello, Karin. Hello, hello. I've got to tell you that I always, um, I love it when you call me the amazing midwife. (laughs) But there's no other <laughs> words to describe you. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> and today we've got a um, listener query. It's short and to the point. I'm actually quite glad that she sent it to us because, once again, it's a query that most pregnant women have. And all she did was she sent us one message saying, Is it really possible for a baby to be too big to be born vaginally?
0: I love it. So... And- it's always it's a burning question.
1: A burning question. So let's get to it.
0: Hmm.
1: Yes. So the question, is a baby ever to be bi- too big to be born vaginally?
0: Well, I always like to tell bombs that according to the Cochrane database, the Cochrane database of research and information, there's a study in there that talks about the fact that you cannot ascertain whether a baby is going to fit through the pelvis and be born vaginally unless she has a trial of labor, so unless she tries out labor.
1: I think that's a good place to start, is that there isn't a yes or no answer. We only know because it's not as much about the size of the baby, it's also about the position of the baby, but let's take a step back and look at all the things that are in place that nature has provided to ensure that baby can fit through the birth canal purely due to the anatomy and the way both the pelvis, the moving parts of the pelvis and the moving parts of the baby's head. Yes. So, do you want to maybe talk about baby's skull and the fontanelles and how it's perfectly designed to mold and fit?
0: I mean, Mother Nature is so amazing. There's these spaces in between the skull plates called fontanelles and those mold and shape to the mother's shape and size and the baby always presents its smallest part usually to the mother's smallest part and there's also a bunch of hormones that can come into this conversation relaxin you don't need to slather yourself up with olive oil <laughs> to let the baby slide out. Your body has hormonal influences. Influence. Absolutely.
1: But those sutures and fontanelles, so the sutures are the the, the the what we call the joints of those skull plates that make up the baby's skull. And those are actually designed to override so that it can do what we call molding. And that's very often why you see when a baby is first born, they've either got a cone-shaped head or it's sort of quite skew. And that is purely because of those soft skull bones that are designed to be able to mold and fit through the birth canal during birth. And be reassured that the baby's head will come back to its normal shape. Yes. <laughs> so it, it always looks a little bit strange at first, but um, literally within hours, sometimes days, The baby's head will settle back into that beautiful round shape. So the skull bones are designed to be able to fit and mold and once again we don't know how that's going to happen until there's a trial of labor. And the bones of the pelvis are also, we've got that soft cartilage in between the symphysis pubis that can stretch to accommodate and then the different movements that we make while we're in labor will also create space in different areas of the pelvis during during your labor, which is why being able to stay active and be mobile is so vitally important. Movement and the freedom to move is important during labor because as you experience pressure and sensations in different parts of the pelvis and the abdomen, it will guide you to change your position in response to that and when you change your position
0: what you're doing is you're creating space. Yes, the pelvis is like a bowl, and when you move, it almost helps the baby shuffle its way down through the bowl, down, further down, and mm. that can't really happen without a lot of movement. I mean, it, exactly. It can, to an extent, with the surges that are happening, which help to nudge the baby down, but it is definitely enhanced by movement and changes of in position.
1: Yes, because... We talk about um, the pelvis or that bowl, it's a nice way of describing it actually is the pelvic bowl and if the baby enters the bowl at the top then it moves through the middle of the bowl and then it moves through the outlet and their different positions will make space in the inlet, the mid pelvis and the outlet. So that's why there's no specific technique or set of techniques or set of positions that we can say we can guide you as to which techniques will help but really it's important to tune in and listen to your body because you don't know where your baby is and labor is dynamic, your baby's movements is dynamic throughout your labor. so it's an understanding that your baby is continuously moving through that pelvic bowl or think about of it as a tube and as it moves through different positions, that you change into will create space in the pelvic bowl and in doing so, allow the baby to move more smoothly through the pelvic bowl.
0: I really love that because I often find during prenatal classes, when I used to teach them in person, but now we have them online, (laughs) I used to tell moms, you know, you don't have to go home and study these positions and know exactly what they're, you know, which is which for which part of labor, you know, it's more important to tune in and really listen because one position might be terribly uncomfortable for you and for the next mother it will really work and it's, it's all about position of where the baby is if the baby is leaning heavily on your back or you feel, you know, the, there's a lot of pressure in the back or the front maybe being on all fours all of these are making changes to the position of your body which also influences where your baby is
1: and gravity
0: gravity you know
1: if you've got the freedom to move then you're allowed allowing yourself to use the power of gravity to help the baby move down Mm. through the bowl exactly Um, The other thing, and you made a great post on Instagram the other day, um, reminding us that flexion is is also important, the flexion of the baby's head. And what we're referring to there is also something that you said earlier about the smallest part of the baby's head. And if the baby's chin is nicely tucked in, what it means is that it's the top part of the head that is what we call the presenting part, the part that is moving first through that pelvic bowl. And, um, Literally
0: the crown of the baby. Exactly,
1: thing. exactly. So a nice way of thinking about it is if, if you bring your hands together, the thumb and finger, and you put it around the top of your head and then tuck your chin in and you let the fingers come up, you're going to get that crown of the head. Uh, think about, it, Think of it as putting on a turtleneck sweater. You wouldn't look up when you put your turtleneck sweater on. You would put your head down.
0: Yes, and the top of the turtleneck sweater that you're referring to is the cervix.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs>
0: just so that we're putting some context there. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: So, and it's, it's mom and baby working together. You know, trial of labor is not just you, it's your baby as well. So if labor has begun spontaneously... Um, it's your job and the mom's job is dilating and opening up and it's the baby's job to descend and to rotate. Yes. And that's why it's not as much about the size of the baby but the position of the baby. So even a big head, and I know there's a lot of air time is given to big heads and big babies. But that doesn't make any difference. If the big head enters into the pelvis in the right position and continues to descend and rotate and stays nicely flexed with the chin down, then it will mold and shape. It will mold and shape and the pelvis will adjust to allow the baby through.
0: Yes. And there's obviously things that you can do in pregnancy to enhance the position of the baby. And that's why certain sitting positions when you're watching TV... Um, binge watching Netflix whatever it is that you're doing you know it's important to be sitting on a ball maybe lean forward leaning positions are good and spinning babies covers a lot of that
1: I also recommend really getting to know your pelvis almost mapping it and um, sort of feeling your way around your hip bones moving your hand round to the back, feeling the sacrum, feeling the coccyx, all the way down to the sitting bones. If you're sitting on a chair, put both of your hands under your buttocks, and feel your sitting bones, And then experiment, have your legs out in front of you, drop the knees out to the side, bring the feet together, bring the knees together, and notice what happens in your sitting bones when you change your position. Sit on the ball and move your knees and your ankles around and notice what happens to your sitting bones because your sitting bones are the outlet, that's where the baby is coming out. So notice how when you drop the knees open, are the sitting bones going in, are they going out, and... um, You can even do it with your partner where you go into a child's pose and notice what happens because the outlet really does open when you go into that child's pose. So get comfortable with all the different moving parts, literally, of your pelvis.
0: I love that you've also included that in the course. I remember you went through a whole visualization with that, Mm. explaining how exactly to do that. Mm. And... It's so interesting to see how the pelvis changes when you move your legs in different positions. Yes, it's amazing. I didn't know that. I thought that was very interesting. Yes, yeah, it makes a big difference. And you
1: know, if you can do that in pregnancy, it just gives you so much more autonomy and um, an understanding of how much you can impact the process when you're actually in labor.
0: Yeah, knowing your body on the outside and the inside. Knowing where your cervix is and all of that.
1: Yeah, it's really absolutely. Important to you. So, in spinning babies, they talk about balance, gravity, and movement. Those are the three really important things. And balancing is, is, is what needs to be done during a pregnancy. So, even complementary therapies like a, seeing a chiropractor and making sure that your pelvis is nicely aligned is really important
0: and will help. And walking. Walking. Definitely. That also helps move the pelvic bowl. That's why it's one of the one of the really good things that you can do during labor if the baby is a bit high to bring the baby down.
1: Keeps the pelvis mobile. Yes. The forward-leaning inversion, which is creating that that using gravity but also the weight of the baby to stretch out the round ligaments that support the belly will also help because if there's any tension there, that can get in the way of the baby's head when it's entering the pelvis. So making sure that it doesn't sort of get stuck on the brim. Yes, so creating space there. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned also the importance of the hormones relaxin specifically, which is the hormone that is responsible for so many of the discomforts of pregnancy and the one that is so common, which is lower backache and aching and cramping. But that is in response to the effect of, horm- of the hormone relaxant, which its role is to soften and loosen the, the joints and the ligaments.
0: And lubricate.
1: And lubricate and really get ready for... The movements and stretching mm-hmm. and opening that happens.
0: Makes you unsteady on your feet mm. Mm. in pregnancy because it goes into all your joints.
1: Mm. Not just the pelvis. No. Unfortunately, it affects the whole body, which is why it causes constipation and heartburn and sure. varicose veins and all of those uncomfortable things are really because of relaxant. And
0: into the first year of your postpartum. Yes. So it's quite, you have to be quite careful with what exercise you do mm. in that first year.
1: Especially your hyper-flexible yogis.
0: Yes, you, you suddenly think you're so flexible, but it's actually the relaxant.
1: Mm. So <laughs> being mindful of that and just working with it.
0: Yes, and then back to the big baby. Yes. Story. I mean, how do doctors ascertain if your baby is too big? Well, unfortunately, they use
1: ultrasound scans and they mm-hmm. do what we call a. Estimated fetal weight, but the important word is estimated yeah, because it estimate. really is estimated. So there's always going to be a 15% variation on either side of whatever weight you are given. And what I've also seen lately is that um, a 3.5 kilo baby is already classified as big, which is strange for me because a 3.5 kilo baby That's
0: is perfect,
1: it's very normal average expected but it's not even doable because a 4 kilo baby is doable Doable. it's not about the size of the baby it's about the position of the baby and it goes back to what you said in the very very beginning we only know if you have a trial of labour so there is no way anybody can tell you that your baby is too big to fit through the pelvis. No matter how many measurements or estimated fetal weights we have, it's not about the measurements. It is about the the way the baby moves and navigates through the pelvis.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but there is no way to accurately measure the size of the pelvis, the opening of the pelvis, before she has a trial, like the fit, the actual fit of the baby. Well, the fit. There's no way
1: of accurately measuring the fit. They can give you all sorts of numbers, but they can't... They don't. We don't know how the baby will move and descend and rotate through the pelvis because we're looking at um, the diameter of the baby's head is di- different at different parts of the head. Yes. The baby's head is not the same diameter all around. Yes. Nobody's head is. Nobody so, you know, as long as the smallest diameter is the presenting part mm. and it's fitting through and it's going through in the right position, then it can come out regardless of what size it is. Mm. And in fact, sometimes it's a smaller baby that is more likely to get stuck because there's more room and they go into what we call an asynclitic position, which is because there's so much room, they might turn their head at a funny angle sure. and then it find that angle difficult to restitute and come back into a different position. So really, it's,
0: it's only if there's a real medical condition like gestational diabetes, when you but maybe I'm wrong
1: there. Even then, it's a trial of labour. Yeah,
0: a that's trial all of labor. you're asking for. Is a trial of labour.
1: The trial of labour means going into labour, and that beautiful saying, watchful waiting, stand by, and allow nature to take its course. Allow labour to progress. Trust in your body. Trust in your baby. And use those three principles: balance, movement, and gravity.
0: And what about shoe size?
1: Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the 1940s, oh, should we? Uh,
0: yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. there they are still care providers They're using this as I a know. measurement or as I a know. tool. Or
1: as a, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no scientific proof that your shoe size will indicate your pelvis size. And that if you are a size 3 shoe, that you will not be able to birth your va- baby vaginally. In fact, I've probably had some of the best outcomes from little twiggy, birdy, skinny woman with <laughs> tiny feet. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And uh, tall husbands. Yes. Yeah. So it, it just
0: doesn't have...
1: No. I have no more words.
0: Because those doctors will look at the shoe size and they'll say, Ooh, and your husband is so tall... And you're so small and skinny, that baby is never going to fit through there. And then we have to pick up those pieces.
1: Well, I think it's one of those things that they've planted a seed of doubt. Yes. And once that that seed of doubt has been planted, it's very easy to water it with more doubt and for that fear to grow. And it's quite hard to undo it. So be very, very mindful of those statements that sow a seed of doubt in your mind Take whatever was said and then come back and look at the facts yes. and work with that rather. It's one of those things that we call a limiting belief. It really can get in the way of a positive birth experience. And a positive birth experience isn't the mode of birth, whether it's vaginal or surgical. A positive birth experience is one where you feel supported and where you are involved in all the decisions and choices that are made throughout the process and progress of
0: labor informed consent but in the very that's very important informed consent in every sense of the word
1: Do you think we've answered the question of is a baby ever too big to birth vaginally?
0: I think we have I think there was one little stat that I wanted to throw in there from evidence based birth Mm. which said a big baby does not equal a caesarean birth it would take nearly 3,700 unnecessary caesareans to prevent one case of permanent injury due to shoulder dystocia. 3,700 unnecessary caesareans.
1: That's exactly where I think we can end this podcast. <laughs> Hold that thought. Yes. I love that statistic.
0: And a trial of labor, please, mamas. That's what you're asking for. It's all you're asking
1: for. So thank you so much, Charlene. I think it was a great conversation chatting about big babies. Obviously, it is just a conversation and there's so much more information than we can share. There's so many more things that you can learn. But every week we cover topics of pregnancy, birth and motherhood. We read your letters. We interview relevant folk to bring you the most up-to-date info in every podcast. We do our research thoroughly and we offer advice and tips to cover all bases, whatever topic we're covering. And I hope that we did that for you today. We share our recommendations, some anecdotes, funny and serious. If you enjoyed our podcast, please help us to keep on going by sharing with your friends and any pregnant folk you come across. Our comprehensive antenatal course is also up for grabs on our website, so go check it out. As always, yours in pregnancy, birth and beyond. Thank you for listening and we will see you next week.